surprise. So you never know who you're going to get up here, right? It's cool. I had a birthday Thursday, last Thursday. I uh, turned 25. No, I actually, 53. And my younger brother gave me these, well, they work better this way. And I thought, I'm going to use these because they are a game changer. My wife has been after me for like three years, like, you, should, you need to get those things. I'm like, yeah, yeah. A little clue for you guys out there that are resisting these. You do know when you know when you need them is when you take a picture with your phone of something written so you can blow it up and read it. <laughs> I've been doing that for about three years. <clears throat> and it's awesome. This is these are these are great. But you got to change. So anyway, we're this morning we're going to talk about intercessory prayer. Okay. Um, Maybe you guys, you know, going through this whole series, we've talked about listening prayer. We've talked about Lectio Divina, which is taking a section of scripture and listening closely to see what God is speaking to you. Um, we've talked about, gosh, remind a confession, um, getting on the same page with God so you are moving in the same direction that he is. We've talked, we've gone through the Lord's Prayer. I mean, we've done a lot of different kinds of prayer. And I'm hoping that you guys have incorporated some of this into your own practice. I know I have. Breath prayer for me has been really good. I mean, it's just one of those things I can, you know, feeling a little tense about whatever situation, I can easily just move into that and, and, and ask the Lord to kind of calm my heart. It's been good. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk about intercessory prayer. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says this. Oh, I forgot. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So here Timothy said, or I'm sorry, here Paul says to Timothy that he urges that these things be done. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. We know what thanksgivings are. It's pretty easy. We're thanking God for doing certain things, okay? We do that. That's a pretty easy one. Most of us do it when? Come on. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Or when you, you know, if you have kids, thank you, Lord, for the sweet thing. Amen. It's like they're doing like an auction, you know? It's like, slow down. But we do Thanksgiving. It's, you know, maybe it's part of what we do. Maybe not as heartfelt as we, as we want it to be, but yeah. Supplications, that's asking for things. Prayers, that's talking with God. But intercessions is a little bit different, okay? Intercessions is this. If you're an intercessor, definition, it's a person or persons who intervenes on behalf of another, an intermediary, one who pleads for another. So it's a little bit more than just saying, hey, you know, Aunt Mabel's sick and heal her. It's really pressing in. I'm, I'm gonna step into that gap to they, they need help or that people needs help, and really pressing into that. A little bit more than just your normal, hey, I'm just gonna ask and see what happens. It even may take some time. Those of you that have kids, I know I always refer to that because that's just my season in life right now, just you know, having, those of you, know, I'm sorry, I, I didn't even say this. Those of you, if it's your first time here, which I do know there is one person that's their first time here. I'm one of the elders here, my name's Aaron. I just. Figure you all know me. I apologize for that. Um, but I have four boys. And kids really do factor in to what you do in life. 
and interceding on their behalf. What do you mean? You pray. Those of you that have kids that maybe have strayed, you've prayed for how many years? Oh, a long time, maybe. And hoping that they will know the Lord. That's the kind of prayer that we're talking about here, intercession. We see this example in Jeremiah 29. You guys probably, if you know this chapter, it's a, it's a pretty familiar to those of us that have come from Applegate. Um, but we're going to read through this, uh, the first half of this chapter, because I think this gives us a good model of what it means to intercede on behalf of who? The, our community around us, okay? And where God has planted us. So, Jeremiah 29 says in verse 1, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metalworkers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elsa, the son of Saphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So we're going to get to the letter in a second. A little history here. If you don't know, the children of Israel got taken away by Nebuchadnezzar because they were not doing the things God wanted them to do. That's just a short, short synopsis. But Nebuchadnezzar came once, he came twice, he came three times. And every time he came, he took a little bit more until there was nothing more to take. Basically, the stuff he left there, he didn't want. But every time Jeremiah was there saying, this is what God is doing. He's, he's taking you away. There were other prophets there saying, no, 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 this is not what's happening. God's going to deliver you. And he's saying, no, this is what God has for you. So now they're at the end of this third wave of going to Babylon. He sends a letter to everybody there. And this is what he says to them. The letter says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons, or take your wives and, and sons and, have, and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in it, its welfare, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I'll bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So he tells them, you're going to be there for how long? 70 years. Now, I just told you, I turned 53. That's not a great thing. So <laughs> I, you do the math in like 123 when you bring us back to Jerusalem. I, I ain't going to make that one, you know. But he tells them what he wants them to do. He doesn't tell them, I want you to fight against the evils of Babylon. Because... If you don't know, Babylon was the center of idolatry in the world. In the Bible, Babylon is always a type of just idolatry and really against God. So he's planted them there. And he doesn't say, you know what you need to do? You need to demand your way. Fight against it. Do whatever you can. He says, plant gardens, eat, have kids, get married, and do what? Bless them. It's like, huh, that's interesting. And pray what? On its behalf. 
Because they can't, they're not. Because they don't know God. But they do know God. So the situation they're in is not ideal. It's not Christianity necessary. It's not like, hey, we're all here and it's, we get to religious freedom. It's probably a little oppressive. I say that because we have this tendency, I do at least, to look at God and want him to do what I want him to do. As opposed to, what does God want us to do? And I think intercessory prayer is this. We get on the same page as God. That last verse, you guys probably know that one. I know the, you know, it's a little different translation, but I know the thoughts I have towards you. Here's this. I know the, the, I know the plans. I've always read this. I don't know why. That I know the plans God has for me. <laughs> but God's here, he's saying, I know the plans I have for you. Oh, that's a little different. I don't know the plans God has for me all the time. I definitely fill the blank in. Don't you sometime? Like, hey, I know God wants to bless me, and so therefore things are going to go easy in life, right? We tend to think that. If I'm a Christian, I'm going to fill in the blank. He's going to fill my pocket. I'm not going to ever have to worry. Things are always going to go smoothly, and they don't. And then we've, we, we hit a bump, and we're like, what's the deal? Well, God here says, I know the thoughts, I know the plans I have for you. He's like, well, how do, we, how do we get on the same page as God? Well, we ask. Sounds complicated, right? <laughs> we ask, so we know what his heart is. The other night, I was taking a little walk. I, I thought, you know, I just need to clear my mind a little bit. And I live in Grants Pass, and down kind of on the south side of town. And we have a couple parks that have become... It's the right word. Uh, campgrounds. You know? And there's some of you in this crowd right now that are thinking like, oh my gosh, what is he going to say about homeless people or houseless people or whatever you're calling them right now? What, what is he going to say? Who is he going to offend? And then there's some, that's, that's this, this is right. So this is you, okay? And then there's other people in here. There's maybe a few of you that are saying, finally someone's going to talk about this situation. But I found myself walking down, because we have two city parks, not too far. <clears throat> Walk down one street. I can cut through one of these parks to come back to my house. And this is just, I'm just true confession here, okay? So if you judge me, I, that's okay. I'm just telling you where my heart is at. I'm being vulnerable and, you know, open with you on what was going through my head. So I thought, as I came up to this, I'm like, ah, should I cut through the park or not. I don't know. Is it safe for me to do that? I mean, yeah, I look pretty weak and whatnot. You know, I'm just thinking, like, what should I do? But I decide, I'm going to go through the park. So I'm committed, and as soon as I start, start down the pathway, I'm like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of people here that have issues, and, and I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I should turn around, but I'm committed now, because if, like, you turn around and they see you, like, they know that you're turning around because of them, right? I, I mean, that's what's going through my head. And so I'm like, no, I'm committed. I'm just going to do this. So I actually, to actually start praying. Like, okay, Lord, you know, is this safe? Is, should I be doing this? And I'm always thinking of myself. Do you ever find you, you kind of, you know, self-protective of yourself? And a couple people, and I'm walking. And I, and I just, it struck me that I really am just concerned about me. I actually, <laughs> so I walked past the first person. And I'm, yeah, I'm telling a lot of people this. Um, 
as you can see, like, I have a wallet, you know? And I'm actually thinking, like, I wonder if that guy's thinking, hey, that guy has a wallet in his back pocket. I wonder if, and I'm thinking, like, why am I thinking this? It's so petty. And as I prayed, and as I'm praying, God really got a hold of my heart. And he's like, these people need help. Like, yeah, they do. I wonder what, wonder what someone's going to do about it. <laughs> and as I'm walking, I'm getting less and less you know, concerned about my safety and more and more about, man, my heart is really just not in the right spot. And how do I intercede on behalf of these people? I don't know the solution to the homeless problem in Grants Pass or in Medford or in Ashland, but I do know God does. And it says that we're supposed to step in on behalf of other people and step in on behalf of situations. And I was really convicted that I didn't, I'm not praying for the welfare of what? The place where God has me. And I think too often as Christians, we're not willing to ask God, what do you want to do? We're more willing to go, this is not right. These people need to do this or you need to do that or it can't be in my backyard, whatever it is, I don't know. And I'm not here to offer an answer for that other than we need to press in and ask God, what is it that you want to have happen? I didn't plan on talking about this this morning, but I came to the early morning prayer. Some of you guys, when he came, saw there was an ambulance and a fire truck, fire trucks, I think. I don't know why they, they brought the whole battalion down, but there was, <laughs> there was an ambulance out if you came in. And I came in a little bit late and there was a guy that had come in, was a, I'm assuming a homeless guy, most likely, and he wanted help. And he had, a, he had an issue, you know, had, had a seizure, um, and they took him off. But the thing is, God brings people here. He really does. And I think sometimes to our detriment, and what I mean is this, we are not bringing, going out there. It's like, do you, are you, do you want to do anything? Are you asking? Are you, are you going to follow what I have to, to bless the people and the communities that you're in. It's easy to become really self-insulated and really self-reflective you know, as opposed to, God, we want to have your heart. We want to be doing and going where you are as opposed to always waiting for them to come to us. So getting his mind, his thoughts into our, into our heart is asking him. Just ask him. A little extra homework for those of you that are interested. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it really talks about getting the mind of Christ in you because you have it already. You just need to tap into it so you are doing the things that he wants you to do. So, intercessory prayer, it's on behalf of others, the community that God has planted us in. Now, you might say, okay, that's great, but I, I'm, I have a hard time just praying. How am I gonna pray for other people? I don't know what to pray. I'm not sure how to do it. Well, here's a, a couple things for you to encourage you in that. In Romans chapter eight, verses 26 and 27, it says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
This is cool, because it says right here, hey, you don't know what to pray. I mean, have you, have you ever done that? Someone's like, hey, can you pray for me? You're like, sure. <laughs> what, what, what do you need? And then they tell, you're thinking, if they tell me what they need, this is actually gonna help. And then they tell you, you're like, that didn't help at all. I still have no idea what I'm gonna pray about at all. It's good because right here it says, hey, you don't need to know. The Spirit intercedes on it. He kind of translates the stuff that you don't even really know how to really talk to God about. If you've ever traveled internationally, you know that you run into two different languages. The cool thing is, if you ever travel internationally and teach internationally, you also get to do the translation thing. Some of you have probably done it. I know John's done it. I've done it in Mexico, in Austria, and in India. And in India, uh, we went the first time and had a pastor's conference. We thought there'd be like, you know, 15 people. There was like 400. Like, oh, wow, you guys brought a lot of folks here. Okay. And you get all these different people, and you have to have this rhythm. Because if you don't, and you, all, you really have to concentrate, too. You would think it'd be easy. Like, I say, for God so loved the world. And they go, and, but what, see, and I just did it right now. I just like, you don't, if you don't think about what you're doing, you, you totally lose train of thought. And they look back at you and you're like, I don't know where I'm at. It's really kind of embarrassing. And some of them, the translators are just, they're, they're pretty monotone. And they, some of them are excitable. We had this one, his name was David. And a lot of the Indian guys are pretty slightly built. This guy was beefy and he had fire. And I even remember I'd had him, he was translating for me and I would say stuff like that. I'd say, so, okay, for God so loved the world. And he would be like, <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. <laughs> and the people would be like, oh, yeah. And, and after a while, I said, I looked at him, I said, he gets done, he looks at me. I said, did I say that? <laughs> and he said, yes, you did. I sounded so much better when he was doing the translations. I tell you, it was awesome. And I, that's the picture I get with the Spirit here. The Spirit takes the stuff that you say and he turns it into something, the prayer to God that you wanted to say. The prayer that you go, this is something that God's going to hear. It's, that's my heart. Because the Spirit knows your heart. You don't always know it. But he takes that and he and he, he, he energizes your prayer. So don't lose heart if you're like, I don't know what to pray. Just pray something because he's gonna take that. In Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25, it says this. Consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. This chapter in Hebrews talks about Jesus as a high priest. Those of you that remember in the Old Testament, there was a high priest. He went in one time a year to offer blood into the Holy of Holies. I'm just giving you a quick overview. Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood to come out to say, hey, forgiven, it worked. Let's go on for another year. And the thing about it though, the high priest, you may not know this, they tied a rope around his ankle. So when he went in there, if he did something wrong and got killed by God, they could drag him out because they couldn't go in and get him. 
Now you might say, well, that's, that would be a little nerve-wracking. Yes, it would. But the thing is, that high priest also was a man and also had failings and sin, where Jesus did not. And that's what the chapter in Hebrews talks about. But the cool thing is this. He is a high priest that knows you. Why? Because he became like you. He's not just God, where he's just like, hey, you can go like, well, of course he's perfect. He's God. I mean, that's easy. He can't relate to my situation. He doesn't know what the, the things I deal with. And he's like, yes, he does, because he became like you. So he intercedes on our behalf. What do you think? It's that go-between, even that picture in the Old Testament where the high priest would go in. But he is the go-between, what? Between us and the Father because he is the perfect high priest. So he understands us. The Spirit translates for us, translates our prayers. Jesus understands us. And lastly, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So lastly, he advocates for us. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I've never been in court before. I've never had to do that. But you've seen those things on TV where people um, want to represent themselves, you know? Like, I, I don't need a lawyer. I'm going to represent myself. And they're usually the least able to represent themselves. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen this? Like, dude, you shouldn't do that. They give you a free lawyer. I mean, that, and that, even the free lawyer is going to do a better job than you are in navigating that legal, legal system. And we need that advocate when we get in trouble and we're like, oh man, what am I going to do? And here in 1 John, it says, if you sin, <laughs> it should, when you sin, because you will, we're not perfect, we have an advocate with the Father. And Jesus is that advocate. But the interesting thing about it, you know, I've told you guys this, I have the Cheater, Cheater app, the Blue Letter Bible, so you, you too can be a Greek scholar. So you can look up the word, and that two other times this word advocate is translated in the New Testament it's, is the Holy Spirit or the Comforter. When Jesus says, I'm gonna send you the Comforter. And so here it says the advocate is Jesus, but also this word, is, it's the Holy Spirit as well that advocates on our behalf. And you might say, well, what's, why, why do I need that? Well, this is the cool thing. When you go to court, your lawyer probably maybe knows the judge. I don't know. But he doesn't pay the penalty for your crime. This courtroom, though, that you enter, the father is the judge. Jesus is your advocate along with the Holy Spirit. And he says, yes. He did, Aaron did that crime, he did. But he takes off his lawyer title and then he becomes what? The payment for that crime as well. That's the cool thing. It's not, he's just not just advocating, he's actually paying the price for the things that you should have paid the price for. So we have these things as we do intercessory prayer. If you feel like, man, I just don't want to pray, he translates those things, you just pray. I just don't know if he can understand. He does, he understands. He's interceding for you on your behalf. He wants to see us and our communities be successful. And lastly, he does, he advocates for us.